Welcome to the Tangled Knot. This is our weekly Tuesday show with Catholic therapist Deb Rojas. With the help of our Heavenly Mother Mary, we seek to untangle the knots we find and sometimes cause in our own lives. To call into the show tonight, the number is 515-602-9655. That number again is 515-602-9655. And now, let's welcome our host, Deb Rojas. Hello and welcome to the Tangled Knot. I am your host, Deb Rojas, and I'm here with my colleague and friend, Dr. Fred Bowley. And uh, Welcome to the, the Tangle Knot, where we rely very heavily on the intercession of Mary, on doer of knots, for help with the messes in our lives. Uh, maybe you're thinking about the knots in your garden hose, or your fishing line, your tackle box, or maybe your five-year-old daughter's bedhead. Very terrifying <laughs> source of knots. Uh, but what about the knots that keep you from family and friends, from being able to connect well with others? Um, from praying, from being able to connect well with God and really resting in the peace of Christ. So here on the show tonight, we will um, be talking uh, some about liturgy, about um, beauty, about music, how they're essential for us as human beings and how they really help us connect within the liturgy, um, really experience the transcendence of God. Yes. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for being here, Fred. How many clients my pleasure. Have you today? How many times have I done what today? How many clients have you seen today? <laughs> I uh have seen I don't know, it's all a big blur. It's probably nine. Which maybe doesn't sound like a lot to normal people, but to those <laughs> of us who do it, it's kinda of tiring. <clears throat> yeah, it it is. It's, it is definitely tiring. I had um, a long day. Mhm. Yeah, I had. I think I only had seven, which was good. Good going. Yes. So you know, in talking about liturgy, like we obviously are both counselors, and um, trying to figure out like how does this relate to counseling? And so you had a great idea. Do you remember what you said? No, I was counting the number of clients I saw today. Okay, let's see. What was my great idea? Oh. What I wondered in our discussion previously was, um, maybe this is what you're talking about, Deb. What does the lack of that look like? Is that what you were getting at? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it really how it ultimately points to our happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, um, flourishing, a life of flourishing. Um, right. So we were, you know, just thinking about um, Sundays. There's a there's a song, a funny song. If you like Sunday morning, you know. And there are other there are other songs about like laying in bed on Sunday and like mm-hmm. not doing anything. You just get to be lazy. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, there's that aspect of Sunday as a day off. And um, you brought up uh, the Sunday neurosis. Right. Well, I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but that was a concept of or something that was noticed by Viktor Frankl. Hmm who noticed that a lot of his uh, clients complained of being really depressed or anxious on a Sunday afternoon. And why would that be? Did you want me to go into that or were you holding that back for later? Well, we can, we can hit that a little bit later, but you know, in in thinking about meaning and having a point to today, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, there's definitely a, a correlation Mm-hmm. Between how we worship and what we love, and how we relax and spend our time. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
Yes. So we're going to be tying a lot of little threads together. I actually used the the concept of tapestry today a lot. <laughs> they have themes, don't they? Oh, they do. They do. And in, in the sense of like a storyline, perhaps being like a thread that somebody might think is like a thick, ugly yarn thread, a rough mm-hmm. thread that they're not really very happy with the tapestry. Um, but how like we can in some ways redo some of those pictures. Like re- you know, the tapestry idea that. works really well with the name of your show, Deb. <laughs> I like it. it. <laughs> so you're saying we can pull that out, some of it, or like take what is there and make it into something bigger and better? Yeah, or... absolutely. Take what's there uh-huh. and and um, add different threads. Mm-hmm. You know, we can like go back in our story and see the presence of God in it um, and understand it differently. Yeah. Um, so, but within all of that, there's a very strong spiritual component. Absolutely. You know, so if you're talking about Sunday neurosis, how much of the spiritual component is present there? It's got to be huge, doesn't it? In its presence or absence? Well, I think that all things have a spiritual component, right? All things have a spiritual aspect. But the fact that on a Sunday afternoon of all days, of all times, you start feeling really depressed or really anxious is not coincidental. Right? Mm-hmm. It's because I think, and it's not to cast dispersions, but I think it's because um Sunday was created for a particular reason, and so many of us have forgotten that or lost sight of that. Mm-hmm. Um, whether we're Christian or non-Christian, Catholic, non-Catholic, whether we even believe in God or not, the human being is designed to enjoy Sunday. Mm. And if we're not enjoying it in the way it's designed to be enjoyed, we're going to feel out of whack. Hmm. So you you just made a very particular point. If we are not enjoying it in the way that it is meant to be enjoyed. So then, what are some wrong ways? That's what I wonder. Sorry, I interrupted you. Well, you know, it's a really, it's a really, um, you know, just a brainstorm. Um, there are just a lot of fun things that are available on Sunday. Sure. You know, like a day at Six Flags Great Adventure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yep. you get to go ride the roller coasters. Fun for some. Yeah, it's, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan. I like the water rides personally, but um, <clears throat> or even hiking, like going to the mountains and hiking, mm-hmm. taking a day in nature. You know, I've, I've heard the yeah. you know the cathedral, the the um the forest is my cathedral. Mm-hmm. So, like usually when we talk about cathedrals or churches, it's a special place that has been consecrated for special use mm-hmm. by a special man, a priest, right, or a bishop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bishop. So are all churches in the world, Deb? Just curious. All Catholic churches, are they consecrated by a bishop? All Catholic churches are, yes. But there is one sacred space in Italy that was consecrated by St. Michael. What? And I happen to know this because a friend of uh, St. Michael the Archangel. I happen to know this because a friend of mine who I was walking with this morning uh, gave me a relic from this particular case. Hmm. That is so interesting. It's very That is very, cool. Yeah, very cool. Um and he actually said that there's no there's no need to consecrate this space. I have. Right. He's already done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you to Diana for that little tidbit of uh history. So just as um, uh, spaces are consecrated or buildings are consecrated, days are evidently consecrated too, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we have that the origin begins back with creation. Mm -hmm. On the seventh day, God rested. And that was, creation was in place. It was done. It was finished. He considered it good. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that became a very pivotal day throughout the, the period where Israel, like the worship took place through the temple. 
and through Judaism. Um, But that changed with a particular event. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to quiz you because you know the answer. (laughs) But, yes, it changed with the resurrection. Right, yes. And completely reordered our week Mm-hmm. As we now have a Christian calendar, um, so we should honor Sunday by getting extra work done. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that there's a particular rhythm that God intends uh-huh. to help order us towards Him, and that with you know going back to the tangled knots, those knots exist in our lives because things are not ordered towards Him. Yes. How true that is. That's uh, well said. And in what way do you think people disorder their sun? <coughs> excuse me, their Sundays. Well, you know, you're asking you're asking the wrong person because I grew up Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> right. And my family went to church twice on Sunday. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, ours too. We had Sunday school in the morning for like an hour and a half. Then we had the morning service. Mm-hmm. Then usually like a little coffee hour or something afterwards. We would go home. My dad, we all had to take mandatory naps. Sunday afternoon is nap time. Saint, right. you know. Um, yeah. That acronym, yes. And then uh, back to church in the evening for Sunday evening service. Mm-hmm. So it's not so, a bad thing, but how might you do it better? I mean... How can you imagine doing that better? How can I imagine doing it better? Well, um, I don't know if it's better, but, you know. No, I just going, wondered. Yeah. Go on. It was a, it was a very exhausting. That's a lot of church in a day. Right, right. You know, when you add up all the time, you're talking like a good solid six hours. That's what I was wondering. So Sunday is supposed to be a day of rest, and instead you're exhausted by the end of it. Well, and it's a day of restoration. Ooh. Mm-hmm. A day of worship. Right. Um, Peeper, in his book, uh, Leisure, the Basis of Culture, talks about mm-hmm. how worship, worship really informs our leisure, like what we Was worship. That, uh, Joseph Peeper, P-I-E-P-E-R? Yeah. Measure yes. the basis of culture. Yes. And you, so you were saying worship informs. Sorry, say that again. Worship informs our leisure. Oh yeah, worship informs our leisure, right? I know I have some friends who are going to publicly argue with me that it's leisure, but would you? <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. I could see that coming. Uh, um. So yes, sorry. What does that mean, though, worship is the basis of leisure? Could you explain that? Well, A lot of people will say, I watch television just fine without going to church. So what mm-hmm. What do you mean worship is the basis of leisure? Yeah. And they do. But then you have to say, what are they, what are they worshiping? Right. Fundamentally. Yes. And I think a lot of times it boils down to people in our culture worship themselves, right? We have uh, polytheism because everybody is their own God. The mm-hmm. ultimate value is to please yourself or to have your own way. Right. It's practiced within the context of hedonism. Right. Yeah. Pleasure. It's like whatever brings me pleasure I'm going to do because it pleases me. Yes. But that is ultimately empty, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's empty. It's empty. It's unsatis- unsatisfying, unfulfilling. And what true worship does is satisfies, fills, and fulfills, uh-huh. and also restores and energizes so that one can then pour out and do the good work that God has prepared for us to do. Mm-hmm. So it's cool. very purposeful. But I would also say that it's um, 
in our culture, especially in the West, in America, we are so focused on productivity mm-hmm. that we sometimes lose uh, sight of the fact that there is immense value in just sitting in the presence of God mm-hmm. and adoring him. Right. Being, being with him, mm-hmm. being adoring with him. him, yes. They're ordering our hearts, like really, truly ordering our hearts towards him. Right. Yes. So that on a Sunday afternoon, when you mm-hmm. don't have your work or your frantic, busy schedules and, and pleasures to pursue, you suddenly realize that there really is no up and no down, right? There's nothing to orient yourself Mm-hmm. Kind of floating in space with no gravity to pull you in one direction or the other. Well, it goes back to that question of meaning, right? Like there's no there's no meaning or purpose to the time or the day. Mm-hmm. If all the meaning and purpose is really either work in the pursuit of whatever that provides or pleasure, mm-hmm. Then it's hard to it's hard to be it's hard to be with God it's hard to be with others. Yes, you lose the ability to form a true community. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. And in and fact, think... so many of our sorry, Deb. Go ahead. I was just going to say, so many of our um, uh, our social arrangements or our. The communities that we try to build without God um, are sort of, um, what would you call it, random, you know. They're just sort of uh, ad hoc. There's nothing essential about them. There's nothing that really has to be that way. And so it's more of a contract, you know. And all through the Bible, you know, God works through covenants where Mm -hmm. it's people who trade families, right? You go and join a new family when when you get married or whatever. But the ones we have, the communities, or or even like the the um, like uh, church groups, you know, um, mm-hmm. when everything is going good and you're in agreement about everything that's visible, then uh, great, you're a community. But when things start going bad, or there's a disagreement, or things don't go well, or whatever, then there's no reason there's for schism. it, and the thing just disappears. Mm-hmm. Churches just disappear. Mm-hmm. They split. Yep. Yeah, it's a very common Sorry, I'm just going to say this and then I'm going to shut up. (laughs) True unity is only possible, permanent, in uh, the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because in the Eucharist, we all become one, as Mm -hmm. Cardinal Ratzinger used to say. Well, and through the Eucharist, um, we also become we become one not only with God but with each other in that. Yeah. So it is right. in that it, it is the ultimate community builder. Yes. Um it it provides that unity that Christ prayed for in and in the book that we recently read for uh a study um God is near us, which is Pope Benedict. Um mm-hmm. he talks about the liturgy and how it produces both the way to go and the manner of going in human mm-hmm. life. In a what very does he mean by the way to go? What does he mean by it produces the way to go? Well, the way to go would be to, through the life, through life, our purpose of being here is ultimately not the end is here, but the end is eternity with God. Right, right, right. Um, but like the way to go, like how to how to get there as well, mm-hmm. and um, and the manner of going in human life um, is very much informed by the prayer of the church, the sacrament, mm-hmm. the Eucharist. Um, in his in his book, God is near us. He um, he says human life is in the first place a search or meaning, which we've been talking about. The search for some message that can show me my path and give me direction. Mm-hmm. Because of its whole direction, life is a search for a supportive community since man is created for community. It is a search for a love that shares, that teaches us to trust, and that can be trusted right to the end in mutual giving. 
and thus it is a demand that the world should be transformed by love into praise. Wow. I love that phrase. I double underlined transformed by love into praise. And how powerfully that informs worship. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't happen just between just between God and me in isolation. Mm-hmm. It happens in community. Happens in community, yeah. And family. So, mm-hmm. Family, the family of God, the church. Mm-hmm. It happens in the community um, in the context of the mass as we receive together and celebrate our Lord in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there, you know, I obviously love liturgy because it tells us the story of the life of Christ, but it also helps us to to um, together within the context of community pray and praise God. So one of the cool things being an ordinary Catholic. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's an ordinary and, Catholic. What's not an ordinary? What's one of those? An ordinary? You think you're an ordinary Catholic? Is that what you're <laughs> contending ordinary. now? An ordinary. Uh, ordinary. Yeah. Oh. Personal ordinary chair of the chair of St. Peter, um, which was established by Pope Benedict for converting Anglicans to come into the Catholic Church within groups um, with a particular liturgy. And um, so many of the of the liturgical customs that were part of the Anglo-Catholic tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the neat things that I don't recall experiencing before, though I must have years ago, is um, Rogation Sunday. Rogation Sunday. What is Rogation Sunday? Is this something that you've heard of before? I have heard of it, but I, honestly, I do not remember. Uh, okay, full disclosure. When you said you want to talk about Rogation Sunday, I looked it up. Uh-huh. <laughs> But yeah, no, I did not remember what it was because nobody mentioned in our parish. And what they wouldn't. It? They wouldn't Why mention it in your parish because it's not part of the regular Roman tradition. It's very unique okay. to the ordinariant because of Anglican. So it comes so, from English Catholicism. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Huh. So the announcement was made um, during the homily that we would be chanting the lit, the litany of the saints instead of having a regular dismissal. And along with that, processing with the cross and um, around the church. Mm-hmm. So it was um, it was really quite beautiful. But in my mm. mind, I was, I'm thinking, why are we doing this? Like, what, what's the purpose of this, you know? Yeah. Um, what is what what does this mean? And uh, so I did a little bit of research afterwards, and mm-hmm. the um, the word rogation comes from the Latin rogare, yeah, which is to ask and to ask, uh, but to request. To ask. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the practice actually goes back to the fifth century. Huh. Yeah. Was that in England exclusively, or was it other places? No, Do you know? no, that was um, that was particularly in Vienna, and where da- where days were were set aside mm-hmm. for procession and prayers. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it was adopted by Pope Leo III for the entire church in the late eighth century. So this was traditionally part of the worship of the whole church. Um, Do you happen to know when it sort of fell out of use? I don't, but I wonder if it was as recently as as Vatican II. Hmm. I don't know, I, so I couldn't say that uh, with certainty. But um, perhaps my friend James Griffin can call in and correct me on <laughs> the liturgy guy. Um, mm-hmm. So yes, it's done to ask, and it's done particularly in the springtime to ask for a blessing. For blessing on the the, the growth season, gotcha. for all of the plantings and the a good a good harvest, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so it's uh, it was really kind of fascinating to uh, to have that very very beautiful liturgical season and reminder that even when it comes to things like food and work, mm-hmm. that it's coming from God, right. You know, how much of 
the anxiety that you work with is work-related anxiety with your clients? Uh, um, uh, yeah, almost all of it, I would say. Yeah. I have some that's more relationship-oriented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. You know, so it's it's kind of it's it's between it's between those two. It's either relationship oriented or or work. Right. And a lot of people who have anxiety about relationships carry that over into work. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And sometimes it's both. Right. Um but when we think about how like even that if we think about work as something that is a gift from God. Mm-hmm. Is something that he provides for us to do to provide for us. I think I said that twice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it is, um, it can be a really powerful source of comfort and peace. Right. Well, um, to me, it's always beautiful to have special days, you know, and special demonstrations mm-hmm. of our love and respect for for Jesus in processions. You know, there's no sort of simple and beautiful way to witness to our trust and faith in Christ than to have a Eucharistic procession or a, mm-hmm. what do you call it to carry a crucifix? What's the adjective? Crucifixional? No. Crucifix, no. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-mm. To... Uh, <laughs> We processed with the crucifix, though. There you go. Yes. And incense. Candles. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's special. And um, I think that when we get rid of some of these traditions, I understand you can't keep every single tradition, but um, the year flattens down. You know, it becomes mm-hmm. kind of plain and boring, and it's not – you don't have the recognition that every day really is special, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you it's like, the, like mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis said, always winter. Yeah. Perfect. perfect. Yes, exactly. Right. Always and spring, so, but never rogation Sunday. Right. Or um, always Sunday, every week, but never Easter. Yes. That's sad, you know, because Sunday is Easter, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Every Sunday we celebrate Easter. Yeah, every Sunday is. It's a little Easter. Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that I absolutely love about Easter is we go from such a stark Lent, mm-hmm. you know, which kind of follows that element of like all of the um, all of the the food is running out. The pantry is getting bare, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just not a lot to eat, so we're going to fast now, right? Well, we can – like I just – I think about how the seasons, the uh, – the natural seasons affect, like, and the liturgy kind of work together. Yes. Yeah. We have this, we have this element of uh, of barrenness and mm-hmm. of sorrow for sin, of really focusing on trying to purge things from our lives, mm-hmm. and along with that, we remove things from the liturgy. Right. Like what? So we're not just removing, like, meat from our diets on Fridays. Mm-hmm. You know, we're removing the Alleluia. Yeah. Uh, we're removing the Gloria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and then um, even more so, um, triditionally, for the Triduum, there's no organ after the Gloria on Holy Thursday. Oh, wow. No Gloria, no bells. No bells, yeah. That's so we right. have the Crocolis during the consecration. A what now? A what? <laughs> the clacker. The clackers, yeah. What was the official yeah. name for it? Crotalis. Oh, Crotalis. Yes. I uh, was talking about it on another show, and I couldn't remember the name until 3 o'clock in the morning. I woke up, and I was like, Crotalis. <laughs> 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 uh, it's It always works that way. But um, but yeah, so we have these elements of celebration that are part of the liturgy. So when the Alleluia returns on Easter Sunday, on, at the Easter Vigil, yeah, it returns in abundance. 
But it doesn't just return to Mass. It also returns to the prayers. Mm-hmm. So um, did you notice that as a lay Dominican with the, the regular, the prayers of the day, beginning to include a lot more alleluias? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. It is. Did, now, how much of that do you sing? Well, we often don't sing because we don't feel competent, and there's not been a tradition in our particular uh, fraternity of chanting. But we are starting to bring it back because, as St. Benedict said, he who sings prays twice, right? St. Chant. <laughs> Benedict. <laughs> he was okay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that... Uh, that you praise God even more gloriously. It is, it's more fitting, even more fitting at this time to praise him more gloriously. I don't know. I can't remember that, how it goes in the prayer of the Mass. Mm-hmm. But to uh, to chant that, I think, really does add that whole other dimension, which is really beautiful. And if you ever get a chance to go to a, a monastery or, mm-hmm. or convent or abbey or whatever and pray with the brothers or sisters... Or nuns, then you will see what I mean. It is really, it's really stunning and beautiful. It really does raise your heart to God. I think. Mhm. It really does. And the um, you know, those who sing in community also have this familiarity with each other. Mhm. And their music. So it's very much like breathing. It's just very natural and flowing. Yes. So I thought maybe you would want to um, demonstrate for us. <laughs> you thought I would want to, or you thought I could be bamboozled into it? Oh, uh, actually, we have a, a question from a listener. Oh, we do. Wonderful. Oh, what a coincidence. Right on time. Hang on. I have to push the right button. Go ahead, listener. You had a question or an interjection for us. How are you doing tonight? Uh, Deb, I just wanted to echo so much of what you were saying. And um, just because I experienced it myself in, in, mm. in my own life, a Sunday I was doing the right things. I was going to church. Mm-hmm. I was, I was you know, reading the readings. I was saying my rosary. But there was one thing that I wasn't doing, and it was the missing piece. And I had to, and I had to find that missing piece uh, because I had so much turmoil and anxiety in my life. In fact, mm-hmm. I had I had really serious serious problems with in, in, insomnia. Mm. And some days I would literally go three days on an hour's sleep. Mm. That's how bad. Wow. That's how bad it got. That's um, terrible. Yeah. Um, and Sundays were the worst days for me for insomnia. I could not sleep Sunday night uh, because and, and I and I came to understand it was anticipation. I had an extremely stressful job, and it was that anticipation of the coming week. And mm-hmm. uh, you ever have those times when you cry out to God, and He just answers you in a quiet voice. And and I and I and I cried out to God, Lord, I'm I'm trying to believe, I'm trying to have faith. If mm-hmm. if you would just move in my life and and mm-hmm. and make some miracles happen, it would be easier for me to have faith. And and I heard that voice clear. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was clear. And it said, No, John. First you believe, then I work the miracles. First you mm-hmm. surrender, then I can work in, uh, in mm-hmm. your life. And I had to learn that. And, and it didn't come easy. I had to go to a lot of adoration. I had to do a lot of, to pray a lot of extra rosaries mm-hmm. and say a lot of surrender prayers. <clears throat> but I didn't beat insomnia by going to the doctor. I didn't mm-hmm. beat insomnia by, by medication. I beat insomnia by surrender, mm-hmm. and that's why I understood so much what you meant when you said Sunday is a day of leisure. It is it is a day of rest, and mm-hmm. now and now I fully understand that. Mm. 
So we have another caller here. Let me see if I can answer this. Do you want to answer that, John? Yeah, I'll take it. Okay, thank you. Yeah, it's wonderful, um, you know, talking about how Jesus doesn't perform miracles for us to trust in him. He first calls Mm -hmm. us to himself. Mm-hmm. And then from that context, works in us and through us. Yes, cool. So do we have another caller here? Or not yet? Not yet, evidently. Okay. So, uh, but I think time is up, and so I don't think we're going to get to that part that you were talking about. Oh, you you mean you're trying to get you're trying to escape singing the I'm the chant? No, I'm just observing. <laughs> uh huh. Well, for our listeners, the um the Regina Chaley is the Easter Marian antiphon. And um it is So we have Oh yeah, do we have someone here? You're, we have a caller. Let's bring on Michael from New Jersey. Good evening. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, hi. I'm Michael from uh, I'm up in uh, Northwest New Jersey, and uh, I just wanted to say I've been, um, you know, very much enjoying this particular series. I think uh, Deb, you bring up professionalism as a counselor, and you know, also as a Catholic woman, a compassion and a clarity of the faith. Not to mention a very refreshing sense of humor. So I just want to thank you for giving so generously of your time, and I hope a lot of listeners will tune in and benefit from your wisdom and thoughtful insights. Um, Thank you, Michael. I've been listening. You're welcome. I was just listening from the beginning, and you you were discussing, um, you know, the whole idea of the day of rest and Mm -hmm. and keeping the Sabbath holy. And I was reminded of times when, as a kid, I spent summers in Germany, and I remember how, you know, places of commerce were closed on Sundays. And I guess that was the case Mm -hmm. in this country maybe a century ago. So I was just, you know, it just occurred to me that this is just one example of how Mm -hmm. in this culture and just one example of how, you know, in the name of capitalism, you know, the Mm -hmm. the Sabbath really can't be kept holy because, Mm. you know, the the, the interest of commerce Mm -hmm. supersedes, um, you know, that of the natural order. Mm but just so having having Sunday closing example. hours is not uh, like a guarantee of a Christian society, but it makes it possible, right? Yeah, At but it certainly is more conducive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we live in a culture where, it, in order to be authentically Catholic, we have to be so countercultural, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and and sure we can go to mass, but then how many will just rush out to the malls immediately after mass? You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. just to make a point of. You know, purposely not engaging in acts of commerce and mm-hmm. and and having an understanding of what you know uh, a natural understanding mm-hmm. of what a day of rest means. So that that just occurred to me as I was listening to the earlier portion of your of your uh, discussion. Mm, that's that's really an excellent point. It reminds me of uh, certain places, I think in Pennsylvania and Delaware, where they didn't sell alcohol on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. like certain certain state stores were closed. Um, yeah, they still have some blue laws in certain parts of Jersey, even. Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah. yeah, and I remember like my family wouldn't do major shopping; like they would run in and get like one or two things, but they wouldn't do like a the big the big shop on a Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to trying to honor that um, and make it more possible for others potentially to be able to stay home. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chick Fil A is proof. Mm-hmm. That you can have a successful business. You guys have Hobby Lobby over there. Yeah. Up in up here in Jersey. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. I'm I'm the wrong person to ask. I'm not a big shopper, but I don't think so. There's one in Dixon City, which is near Scranton, a big one. But there's also, I think, one down here in the Philadelphia area. They have the same rule: closed on Sundays. Interesting. Um, and even, of course, you know the other the 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 official religion of of, of the United States, you know, sports, um, mm-hmm. you know, not not engaging in. Uh, oh my goodness! I don't know that's yeah. sacrilege. <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, like, you, now you've touched the live wire. Now you touched the live wire. If you talk about like Sunday, I just think of Sunday in football or Sunday in basketball. 
how how much like how people will actually organize math times around what game is on. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I have an interesting twist on that. For me, it's Saturday because I'm not a big pro football fan, but I am a big uh, college football fan. Ah. And me and, me and uh, Fred kind of lock horns a little bit because he, <laughs> he likes that dreaded corn-colored team in Michigan, and I can't mm-hmm. stand them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm more of a fan of, of the Fighting Irish, God's <laughs> team from South Bend. <laughs> well, John, I thought I would choose a team that was a little bit more Catholic than that one. Oh, that hurt. That was <laughs> really... just. I'm going to mute myself again now. <laughs> but I guess uh, my my one question for uh, maybe for Deb is, um, you know, for you on a Sunday, what is it that you make a point to do to truly make Sunday a day of rest? Uh, in the truest sense? That's a great question. Um, I have found that intentionally spending time with family mm-hmm. really makes the day focused, like either family or friends, makes the day focused on hospitality and fellowship. And um, and so after Mass, um, typically the, the parishes that I go to have a coffee hour which is just a general opportunity for for people to fellowship and and get to know each other. Um, So to spend some extended time there and then also to to go on and spend a few hours with family. Um, And then I like to, I I do things that I enjoy as well. Um, Like I'll I'll host a big gathering on a Sunday afternoon and make the space for people to come and get together, Um, which is work for me, but it's also refreshing in the sense of, fulfilling that desire to create a space for others to come together. Um, and I'll do like my, like a little bit of gardening, planting flowers, you know, like playing the piano, things that could be considered work, but are really more pleasure, leisure, if you will. Mm-hmm. So those are some That's things. interesting. You make a point that there is a certain, a kind of work in leisure yeah, and, and maybe there's there's a there's a natural uh, relationship between mm-hmm. the two. They're not they're not divorced from each other. Right. So I was the director of liturgy and music before I was a counselor, and um, so I, that meant I worked every Sunday and every Holy Day of Obligation, every Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, sure. you know, the Triduum, all of that, and um, so I didn't actually get a break from work. Uh, which meant, interestingly, for those who do have to work on Sundays, you still have to take some time for physical rest. Right. Some kind of, I don't know, some kind of pause. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between that physical rest and the spiritual rest, the spiritually infused rest. Why? What's the difference? Well, I think we've been talking about it all along. Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's the worship focus. Like what's really at the the motivation for our pause. Yeah, I I agree, Deb. It's it's that surrender. It's that resting in God. Mm-hmm. It's it's not worshiping God with our words, but still trying to solve all our problems ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's that resting in God. God, I know I know you got this. I don't know how you're going to handle this. I don't know what you're doing in my life. I don't know where you're taking me, but I'm going to trust you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to rest in you. And was it St. Augustine that said, our hearts are restless until they rest in you? Amen. Yep. Yes, indeed. You know, it's... um. It was. It was St. Augustine who said that. And throughout the throughout salvation history, we see this particular, there's always an order to worship that is intentionally designed to order our time. And the original order came from creation, where God created the world, six days, seventh day, rested. But uh-huh. then we, we see a switch of that with the, the resurrection, 
where the early church began to meet on that day to celebrate that particular day. Cool. So um, in that way, it also, I think, gives a lot of hope to the work that we do. Mm-hmm. Because we're, we're really, we're starting the work with a celebration. And a Thanksgiving Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, neat. And the particular work that we do, Deb, counseling, mm-hmm. is not designed to cure illnesses. Mm. I often say, but yes, instead, yes, you're not supposed to say that on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, it's designed to help people learn to live happily. Mm-hmm. So, how do you live happily? How does that relate? Uh, you buy something on Amazon every day. <laughs> <laughs> because you know if you order it by 10 a.m., it'll be there by 6 p.m. Really? <laughs> wow. What life is like in a big city. That's, yes. You won't get that out in the country. <laughs> a little longer to ride it there on a on a mule out here. So. I'm sorry. Well, what's Deb, your question? Say again? Deb, uh, Deb, Dr. Fred can tell you, when I first met him, um, I was very, very skeptical of counselors. <laughs> mm. I had a, um, you know, I, I had bad experiences with a lot of counselors, and and I think that um, mm. he he kind of disarmed me. He kind of made me understand that we're on the same page, mm-hmm. uh, and that um, and, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this apostolate because. To me, it's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. You can't help mm-hmm. a person until you recognize what a person is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when, when you when you reduce a human being to chemical and biological impulses and reactions, mm-hmm. you can't help that person. There's so much more going on. I mean, tonight you're talking about things like beauty. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you how do you quantify beauty in ter- in in terms of a scientific formula? You you can't, but and yet beauty is something that we all recognize mm-hmm. and we all know it when we see it. Well, so it so it's it's something that's embraced by the heart, something that's embraced by the soul, and that's that's when counseling can can work magic. That's when counseling can really help people when you're treating the whole person and you understand what a human being is and. Mm-hmm. I, I've had a lot of bad experiences with a lot of yeah. counselors that don't get that. Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm sorry for those experiences. It's unfortunate that that is that is often the case, and I think in in large part it's due to people being reduced to a problem. Mm-hmm. And you know we just we have to fix this. You have anxiety. We need to fix it. Um, and um, there's, there's, it's really about the whole person and understanding what a person is and that we're really designed by love for love. Right. We're designed by love himself to receive his love and to return it. And then also to have that reciprocal relationship with others. Right. But, Deb, you know, sometimes it's even worse than the way you describe it because – Sometimes it's not about solving a problem. It's about alleviating a symptom of a problem mm-hmm. where where we get into, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to solve your anxiety or what's causing your anxiety. I'm going to give you this pill that's mm-hmm. going to help you feel calm down. And, and, and we get to the point where we're medicating people to alleviate the symptoms of their problems without solving the problem itself. And Dr. Fred wouldn't, that's just, that's to me, that's the definition of addiction, isn't it? Well, I do not know if that is precisely and technically a definition of addiction, but it's definitely a problem. And I would Mm -hmm. say that, um, I don't, we don't have time to go into it. There's a difference between um, some brands of psychotherapy and counseling. Counseling is really its own thing. And counselors as a whole, as a profession, tend to be skeptical of the the medication fix Mm -hmm, because it is, mm -hmm. as I say, like tiny little handcuffs keeping your brain from doing what it would ordinarily do in the circumstances. Mm -hmm. It's okay short term 
Mm-hmm. But for most of us long term, we would probably do be- do better to learn how to manage life in a way that will allow us to be truly happy. Mm-hmm. To flourish, as Deb says. To flourish, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh dang, the time flies by. There is no time for any of us to learn how to chant. Uh, you have been evading and avoiding this for a, for, for a long time, successfully. Uh, maybe it's just a threat more than a, an enticement for people to listen. <laughs> well, exactly. I, I can only speak for, for myself, but avoiding hearing me chant or sing is an act of mercy. Okay? <laughs> uh, God yes, gave some is. people the gift of song. I do not happen to be one of them. So all right. Well, thank you for um, for your gift of, of really organizing this podcast, John. And okay, we'll and go the, with that. the musical surprise tonight. <laughs> well, I was trying to play on chance. You know, uh, you were talking about chance. Yeah. Take mm-hmm. a chance on me. C H A N T S. Take a chance. That's very on funny me. of you. You will be punished. <laughs> Most people don't realize that I want to enter um, religious life, but I didn't get the chance. (laughs) You know you love it, Deb. Groan, groan, (laughs) groan. All right. Um, So one of the things that we like to consider here is how do you see Mary, a doer of knots, working in your hearts and lives? So, John or Michael, if you're still here, um, you're welcome to, you know, uh, jump in and and share um, if there are any other listeners who would like to call in. Um, How do you see this grace in your own heart and lives? I'm going to be very brief. One word, surrender. She taught me how to surrender, and that has been, that's, been the game changer for me mm-hmm. to surrender to to I don't have to know how God is going to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. I'm facing issues, crisis issues in my life today. I don't have to know how God's going to solve it. Amen. I just have to trust. I have to trust and that trust was a and surrender. Yeah. I mean it's easy to say. It's an easy thing to verbalize, but it was hard for me to to get there. It was mm-hmm. really difficult and she helped me a lot. Yeah. With that maternal love and safety. Mm-hmm. Yep. Michael's still Michael? here. Michael? Michael? I thought he was did still we, here. Did we lose Michael? Maybe we lost him. Maybe. He's still on the switchboard. <laughs> well, Deb, what about you? How do you see our Blessed Mother helping untangle knots? I've been contemplating this all day. Um, there, there are just so many ways that it's really it's hard to narrow it down. Um, I see it in mostly in relationships, mm-hmm. um, in family particularly, as um, places that get tangled with you know what do what do relationships get tangled with? Um, hurt, resentment, mm-hmm. unforgiveness, um, you know, uh, bitterness, where you, where there's real healing. And it's definitely a grace and a gift of God. So very, very grateful for that. Yep. I can totally agree with that. Where do you see it, Fred? Certainly in all those ways. Uh, and uh, as a counselor, so many times you see uh, really tangled messes. It's not always obvious how whatever it was that you learned back in counseling school is going to apply to this terrible situation. And yet you're you're kind of a witness there at the untangling of the big knot. And I've seen that with uh, with conversions as well. You know, mm-hmm. you think it would take a miracle for them to convert to the church, and then a miracle happens and they convert mm-hmm. to the church. Yeah. Know? And you're there for it, but really, you're like watching and saying, "Wow, that was really cool." But 
yeah. So I think in many ways we don't see she's untangling knots for us every day, and we Mm -hmm. really will will get more from the blessing if we can ask her and join with her in praying to her son. So if those of you who are listening would like to know how to get a hold of Fred, how do they get a hold of you, Fred? It's St. Bart. (laughs) Not St. Bart. Stbarn.org. S-T-B-A-R-N dot O-R-G. Um, and you can send us a message from there. Excellent. Um, if you have questions for this show, you can email me at Deb Rojas, R-O-J-A-S, counseling at gmail.com. And um, I would be happy to include your questions as we talk about and discuss um, life, liturgy, counseling, healing, and how Mary Undoer of Knots really helps to untangle those knots and messes in our lives and bring peace and restoration in our lives and in our relationship. Um, Fred, you have some announcements, don't, don't you? I certainly do. Remember to tune in every Tuesday at 7 o'clock Eastern. <laughs> More Deb, <laughs> Deb will lead us in the pursuit of life, liturgy, and the pursuit of true happiness on the <laughs> Tingle Mess Show. Every evening at the same time on the Four Persons Podcast, there's another great show with great content, but especially on Thursday when the best show of all appears. Right, Deb? Especially on Thursday. <laughs> Uncounseling. Uncounseling. Mm-hmm. We take a skeptical look at counseling from a Catholic perspective. But that's all for tonight, folks. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Uh, remember, there are fine podcasts, as I've just said, every evening on the Four, pod, Four Persons Podcast. Remember that this show is a joint production of the renowned Four Persons Blog and St. Barnabas Reconciliation Ministries, a nonprofit Catholic company dedicated to reconciling all family members to each other, mm-hmm. all, Christian, all Christian denominations to each other, and all people to God. For information or services, as I say, go to stbarn.org. And how do they call you, Deb, if they want an appointment? 610-601-9781. That's 610-601-9781. Or they can look me up also on the website, um, integritycounselingpa.org. Uh, and that's Integrity Counseling Services. Um, in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. So we offer uh, telehealth and in-person counseling as well. Um, soon to be Pennsylvania's fastest growing practice. I can see it. I believe it. We are, got we, a are, good thing going on. we are really growing. It's beautiful to see God bringing counselors, Catholic counselors. So on Thursday, we're going to be talking about responsibility. Do counselors tend to discourage responsibility in their clients? I don't. Would it be, yes, you do. Would it be, just kidding. Would it be better for uh, counselors to encourage more responsibility, or is there more to it? And we're going to have the dread Dominican talking to us about affiliation. That's so awesome. we all know, I hope we all know, that there is mm-hmm. a sacrament of reconciliation, but really many or most of the sacraments are designed to help us get to the point of reconciliation with each other and with God. So tune in Thursday, (laughs) 7 o'clock Eastern or 6 o'clock Central for the Uncounseling Show. Deb, are you going to say a prayer to see us out? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Mary Undoer of Knox. Thank you for your intercessions. Pray for us. Thank you for your intercessions for this show, uh, for those who called in, for those who are listening, um, and for us who are trying to have these conversations and look at how our lives can use better order that will help us be able to more fully love and be loved by God and to also more fully love and be loved by each other. So um, we ask for your grace and your mercy. Wisdom, wisdom, especially from the Holy Spirit, as we continue these dialogues and um, look at ways that we can contribute to flourishing 
and uh, continue to grow with each other as we are all on this journey together. So, Mary Andrew of Thoughts again. Pray for, Pray us. for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.